Hello and welcome to our Living Word Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday morning experience. Let's pray this morning. How many of you are ready for the Word of God? Somebody say word if you're ready this morning. All right, that's good. We hungry. Somebody say, I'm hungry. All right, I hope you are. Today's your cheat day. I hope you saved your cheat day for today. If you didn't, just confess now and shoot. See you tomorrow. <laughs> oh. You know, as, as we journey together, if you haven't caught on to the first month as we've been studying, the Word of God and our prayer life is going to be our focus in the near future here. Um, we understand as we build a home, we must build it on a firm foundation. Amen. And so as we do so, if we miss and we don't fully grasp the beginnings of why the Bible is important and why prayer is going to be the vehicle in which miracles happen in your life, then we've missed the boat. And I want you this time, I don't want this time to be like others. And I, I'm going to keep repeating this for you because I'm also taking this journey with you. If you've missed some of our messages coming into the new year, go back and journey through January with us. It's been an awesome time together, but I challenge you, this year is going to be what? Different. Somebody say it loud who remembered. That's right. It's going to be different. Now, we understand that it's not by our might, but by his. Come on, I'm gonna, we'll practice this together. Not by my might, but by his. Come on now. Because we are going to do this this year. And I don't know what it is for you, but if some of you are like me, my week sometimes gets thrown off by too many random things that I feel like are out of control. Right? You're just like, well, this thing is wrong, and that thing is wrong, and this thing is wrong. And so everything just stays wrong and nothing gets fixed. Can you testify with me today? And I, and I feel like, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the summer's coming, I need to have those abs. You know, <laughs> they are a long way, buddy. But you got to start somewhere, right? Come on now. You see, whatever your excuse is, and I want to talk to you first about this, because I don't know why as we journey together, prayer and the reading of God's word has yet to become your priority. And I want to keep asking you this because I'm not just preaching a one-day moment, 45-minute message about the Bible again. I want you to grab hold of the fact that when God comes in the room, everything changes. You see, I want you to get this, and the Bible says it this way, 2 Timothy, I'll recap briefly from last week as we transition to today, 2 Timothy 3, I shared with you this, all scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you are not a person in God's word, if you are not a person of prayer, of conversation regularly with God, of communion with the King of kings and Lord of lords, you will not have what you need for today. Now, what does that look like? Pastor, I've started 42 different Bible things and I've finished none of them. Come on, somebody, testify with me today, okay? I, I, I've, I've tried to do this and then my work schedule changed for the 10th time. Somebody testify. Come on. Right? Every time we go to change and adjust our habits, there's another excuse. I didn't get to it this time, and I'll get to it tomorrow, but we know tomorrow doesn't come. Come on. It just doesn't happen. We have to grab hold of our today and do better today, but in that, the foundation of that is the Word of God and our prayer, our conversation with Him. 
It is so important, and I'll tell you why. What, what bothers me in our world today is when people don't know where to find the resources they need. There's nothing more that breaks my heart when I see somebody who genuinely just doesn't know something, that just doesn't grab something. They're just, you can see it in their face that they're lost, that they, they don't understand what you're saying or, or how what happened to you has happened or how your life has gotten to the place it is. And I'm challenging you the way, the, the, the way Paul challenged the church uh, of Galatia. And he said to them, he said, those of you who are wise and have understanding, it is your responsibility to take the weaker ones with you. Now, I'm telling you, there is no reason in any way, shape, or form that we should ever have to look for mature Christians to disciple younger Christians. And whether that's you in our, in our elderly age bracket today leading those middle-aged into that season or, or those of you who are middle-aged leading the group younger than you into that season or those of you that are in the younger bracket leading our kids and our youth into that, I, I, I'm not sure where we've lost our way, but the Bible made it clear this is not an option, right? Go into all the world and tell them about the good news of Christ. Fast forward to Paul as he's trying to teach the church how to live and exist. He says, then go, and those who are weak, you shall bring with you, because you have found a strength that they don't know how to find. You have found something in me that they have yet to be revealed. You see, I want to talk to you about when God comes in, everything changes. I want you to understand that for those of you today who maybe you even fight with God. Maybe you came in here today, you know, like, Pastor Nick, I came here because I think the Bible is a joke. I, I don't think God is real. If that's you today, I want to introduce you to the King of kings and Lord of lords. If you're listening to this message in any way, shape, or form, whatever that's on my heart, I want you to know that God will not prove himself to you. He has done that by dying and sending his one and only son. He's got nothing left to prove. But he has everything that he desires with you and I, if we too desire to be with him. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. We talk a lot about truth, but we don't read the ultimate truth while we try to discover more about the truth. In many of our theologies and our philosophies, we work from opinion to what we think is fact instead of biblical foundation going forward. And I want you to begin to retrain your mind. I want you to begin to challenge each other in your thoughts. Don't let the people around you just make blanket statements as if they were some crazy preacher trying to sound good. Come on now. Don't let people make those. If you've got friends on social media or, or in the workplace or at school or wherever you are and they make these statements and you're just like, what does that mean? Can you tell me what that means? Where is that in the Bible? Why do you care? Well, I care because if you're going to paint a picture to 42 or 50 or 100 or 200 other people, I just want my best friend to be painted in the right way. I just want people to know the truth about him. And, and John 17 tells me, it's so, it says, sanctify them by the truth. So they're not going to be sanctified. They're not going to be set apart from their flesh if they don't know real truth. You see, it's why people are frustrated with Christians. You told me that God would fix me. Come on now. You told me God would heal me. You told me God would love me, but I don't see him. I don't understand him. You keep talking about him, but I don't experience him. That's not in my word. What my word would say is that you and I would take those who don't understand, and we would grab them and we would say, come, come, come. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Let's pray. Come here. 
Let's take this journey together. Let me help you found what I found. It may not be the way you want it and how you want it and what you see or what you're looking to hear, but I promise you in the end, you will know the real God. Because when he comes in the room, everything changes. And for those of you who your eyes have been open to the goodness of God, you know what I mean. Whether it's looking back to your rebellious days, right? From the moment you knew God, every one of you that have a personal relationship can testify that everything changes. I just can't look at things the way I used to. Things bother me when I hear them. When I see them, I, I just can't listen to this rhetoric or I can't watch these specific things because it just doesn't sit on me like it used to. I used to be okay with these settings and, and these movies and these thoughts and the particular musics and, and things. I used to be okay hearing and watching and being around. I just can't do it anymore. It doesn't make me fake phony or some, some boring Christian. It just means that I want to desire God's presence, and if I have to choose between his presence and my popularity, I'm going to go ahead and choose his presence. Because it says in 2 Timothy 3.17, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know why generations are wandering in the desert like we read about in the Old Testament? It's because no one's standing there going, no, 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 this is the way. You've tried that way, this way. You've gotten off on that ramp. You've, you've gone over here. Come here. Come here. Come here. I'm not just going to tell you. I'm going to show you. Come journey with me. There are those of you sitting here today, and this is not just a plug. This was on my heart, so I'll say it. There are those of you today who don't think you are ministry qualified. And I want you to know that there's a teenager who needs you. You have walked this life, and you have journeyed. And there are teenagers in our church who need your story a part of their life. And I'm not asking you to go down and sign up and do anything. No, no, no. I'm asking you to do me a favor. If you feel led by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would understand that there are 25 teenagers that regularly populate that building back there who need Jesus in a way that you know him, please do me a favor. At some point, be obedient and say yes to helping. They need you. And I just tell you this way because I think that sometimes, and hear me, I was a church kid growing up. And I say church kid, meaning I sat my butt down when I was told to sit down. I got up in my uniform, went and played my game, and then went about my week as a kid. I was a church kid. I wasn't a pastor's kid. I wasn't anybody else's kid. I was just a church kid. But I can tell you today that the two or three people who were 10 years older than me, 15 years older than me, that no matter how silly I was, no matter how many times I came to church or youth group, they, they didn't look at me any differently. Come on. They just kept giving me a hug every time I did come and be a church kid. They just kept being there, and they just kept loving on me. And to this day, they still contact me. You see, God puts people in our paths for seasons so that they can help us find what, what they have found in him. But you see, what happens is, in our will, in our way, and I meant that specifically, in our will and our way, we find ourselves so busy, we don't have space for discipleship. And the reason I want to tie this back into prayer is I believe this is the truth as I prayed for you. Some of you have allowed your schedules to be so bound up by things that are keeping you busy, you cannot fulfill your calling in Christ. The identity of who you are in Christ is to spread the gospel. 
Your obligation as mom, dad, brother, sister, individual today is to provide as a result of that provision. Is to walk out knowing that if God told you to go to the ends of the earth, if he told you to do this, to do that, to go there, that in that moment, the prayer and the reading of God's word would confirm the destination you've landed in. Come on now. I hope you're grabbing this this morning. This is extremely important to what God has in this season. James 5, 13. Turn with me there, please. James 5. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person, come on, somebody read those two words, is powerful and what? Effective. Come on. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Go back to me with 2 Timothy 3. I'll read it to you. You don't have to go back up on top. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The prayer of who? The righteous. It just won't stop going together. Prayer and the word of God. Prayer and the word of God. Prayer and the word of God. We need to stop letting people continuously live in a place and we need to join them in prayer when they look at us and they say, I don't have a clue what God wants. We've got to go ahead as stronger people and grab them up. And listen, you can't do it with 50. Jesus did it with 12. Come on. And what I mean by it is this. Some of you just keep saying yes to 50, 60, 70 people and you don't have time for two. Do me a favor, take care, help take care of one other person. And maybe it's your own children, because it should be first. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's somebody else's kids. Whatever it may be, answer the call of prayer and the word of God, because within that, you're going to find your purpose in him. Elijah, verse 17, James 5, 17 now. Elijah was a human being. I love how the Bible just kind of makes that so clear that he was not God. He was just like one of us. Even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crop. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write these three, these three things down as you go and journey in prayer this week. God's will, God's way, and God's timing. God's will, God's way, and God's timing. These three areas, however your brain calculates what I'm explaining today, are so vital to your spiritual growth and journey. And they take maturity in Christ to understand. Why has God allowed what he has allowed in my life to this point or this day? I don't know. Why don't you ask him? Why don't you journey it with him? 
God's way, as you begin to converse and commune with him daily, you begin to get this picture of why and how he's doing what he's doing. Oh, Lord, I, I see why you allowed that. I see why, why this is how I, I, I'm gaining this, this wisdom and this understanding. But, but hear me, right, because we've got to keep this grounded today. With prayer and God's word, we can begin to properly interpret, right, have revelation to why and how things are actually happening in our life. Because if we're not filtering them through the word of God and in our prayer life, then who are we filtering it through? I love your best friends. I love my best friends, but they're just as flawed as you and I are. Amen? And so although it's extremely healthy and even demanded in Scripture that we as iron and iron sharpen one another, there is the first mandate, and that's your relationship with Christ. And so if in that somewhere, and I'm going to keep going back and forth. I'm trying to teach this morning. Can I teach you a little bit? In that process, right, if you just skip something, it's broken. Right? You, you can't just have... Just, you could pray, of course, right? But if you're leaving God's word and trying to not use it, because, look, I just want to be a prayer warrior. I'm just going to pray, 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 pray. Yes, I get it. And it's good. you're going to see because the prayer of the righteous are powerful, right? But there is a piece missing in the word of God. There's revelation that you will gain from studying his word. I promise you it's worth the journey. Jeremiah 29.11, I'm going to read through 14 part A for you. You know the verse in most part, but listen to it through the filter of today. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Come on, you hear how intimate this conversation is? Then you will call on me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. I just think that verse is so intimate with the Lord. Because I think for some of us, we don't think God wants to hear our rowdy mouths. Come on. We forget that when we think about God, we, maybe some of you, you see a picture of your dad. Or you see a picture of your mom or your grandma or grandpa or someone in authority over you, and you see the way they might respond if you told them what Saturday night looked like. Come on now. <laughs> what? Right? <laughs> we, we have that picture, right? But, but, but God is so different. It doesn't make mom and dad or the authority in your life wrong. It just means that you haven't fully understood how big God is. The fact that he knows that in him he can bring teaching. He can bring rebuke. He can bring you to a place of sanctification where as your eyes are open that you would begin to do things and react to those things. And let me just speak to some of you today who are newer in Christ. I want you to hear me say this, right? That little feeling in your stomach, that, that part that bothers you now since you've come to know Christ, when you start to live in ways that you used to or do things that, that you thought were just fine in your life, but, but God is showing you that those things are not okay. I want you to know that that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit leading you through the process of sanctification. That process of sanctification is that you would be set apart from the things of this world and that you would know them, not that mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or someone would have to keep telling you those things, although they should and they will, but that you would understand them for you. And here's the thing, right? The Bible says it so clearly. We are responsible for what we know. And so for those of you who are still using those around you, regardless of your age, as an excuse, I want you to understand there's accountability in your knowledge. 
There's accountability in the wisdom that you have in knowing that if you live this way, destruction is the result. That if you live this way, the fruit of what you've sowed is now good and plentiful. And it's going to, it's going to, it's going to quench that thirst that you have in your life. I hope you receive that in Jesus' name. Some quick notes as I get to Matthew chapter 6. If you want to turn there while I'm sharing these, feel free. Matthew 6. But prayer is this. I'm just going to give you a couple quick things. Prayer is a conversation. Prayer is intercession. Prayer is worship, honor. Prayer is an opportunity for repentance and forgiveness. Listen to me on this last one as we begin to journey through Matthew 6, where the disciples were in the midst of asking Jesus, coming out of the Beatitudes. They were in the midst of asking Jesus how to live right, how to walk right. We see these people living like this, and we hear about them doing this, but, but we think that there's got to be something different. So in the midst of all this, right, I want you to hear me. In much of what was happening in the early church, shame, right, and insecurity were two very visible things, right, outside of fear because fear was real. Their lives were being taken one by one as they tried to begin to build the church of Christ. But many felt inadequate to do what they saw Jesus doing. Many of them knew that they were, they were uh, I can't cast the first stone. I mean, I'm just as guilty as she is. Come on, somebody. Right? Th this idea is happening, and it's prevalent inside of the New Testament, and it's what's, it's what's happening here. But, but some of you, do me a favor. The next time you do something stupid, ask the Lord for forgiveness. Just stop. Ask him for forgiveness and move on. And not moving on as in, Lord, forgive me, thank you, and then go right back into what you were doing. No, 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 repentance is a turning from what your eyes have been opened to into the promises of God. You see, we don't realize it that way. We don't realize that, that no, stop doing that. Don't do that, right? As we tell right, each generation, no, don't do that. That's not good for you. Don't be here. Don't give it. Don't go there. Nah, I, I need to figure this thing out for myself. Listen, understand this. There's a reason we tell little babies not to touch a hot stove. They don't know what they don't know. They see you cook on it, but they don't know that it could burn their finger. They don't get the result like you and I do. So we put things on there so they don't do that. We keep them away as best as we can so they don't have that. Why? And that's what mature Christians do. They make sure that those around them understand what they don't yet understand. And now some of you, you keep thinking about teenagers, and I need you to do me a favor and think about everybody. Because I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about wisdom right now. I'm talking about the fact that there are people that you don't think you can influence, that God has revealed something to you that they need, and you're just going to be where they need you to be one day, and you need to go ahead in obedience and go ahead and share what you know. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's somebody in authority over you. Maybe it's your sibling. Maybe it's just somebody you're not used to talking to. I'm telling you, God shows up in crazy places, amen? Matthew 6, read it with me today, starting in verse 5. He says, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into a room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Come on, somebody. This is then how you should pray. 
Now, for many of you, I want to just bring you into, because many of you come from a Catholic background, or maybe you've come from, from just a place of orthodoxy where this prayer, the Our Father prayer, has always just been something, maybe for some of you, that's been something that you kind of spoke, that you declared. And I just want to teach in this, because I believe this, church, if we can learn how to pray, we're going to shift things in our lives, Right? And even though this prayer has been used across many, it's in our Bible. Come on now. For those of you who are just like, no, Pastor Nick, that's like really like a religious prayer. That's not like what we believe. No, I'm sorry. You're not reading the right Bible. This is, Jesus said it. He said, this is how I want you to pray. Walk this out with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed means to be regarded as holy. And so what that means is that, that when you go to pray, don't mock God. Don't just, hey, genie, can you make this happen? That's, that's not what prayer is. It's not this random shouting or this random moment where you just tell God what to do. But there's this moment that you regard as holy. There's this, hey, hey, do me a favor. Could you move over there for a minute? I'm trying to pray with this person. I'm trying to talk to this person and hear them. There's this time in this moment where, where, where our conversation with God is regarded as holy. Verse 10, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For a lot of us, even in these seasons, we struggle about the fact that the Lord does tell us to pray for his return. That we would be, and, and, and hear me, some of you are like, class on Revelation, when is it happening? Right? It's like, relax, we're getting there. One, one book at a time, okay? But the part in there that I believe the Lord wants for you this morning, right, is this understanding that God longs to be with you. And that he wants your focus when your feet hit the ground in that day to understand, as it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. The authority that Christ brings in our life and our day is necessary for us to achieve his will. And so if his kingdom comes, if the authority of Christ reigns in my life, then his will will be done in Jesus' name on earth as it is in heaven. You see, the reason people don't believe in prayer is because when people pray, they don't feel like they get the answer they asked for. But that's not what Jesus said. He doesn't say pray and I'll give you only what you want. <laughs> he says according to the purposes and the will of God. But these two shall pass. You see, Jesus Christ himself, before he was crucified, went into the garden. And if you remember it, what did he say? He said, Lord, take this cup from me. This is not your will for my life. We're talking about Jesus Christ here. But it's not your will for my life. Take this from me. Show me the different path you would have me travel, the different way you would have me go in Jesus' name. Verse 11, it says, give us today our daily bread. You know, for a lot of us, we, going back to a few, I won't sit too long on this because we've covered this in, in many different ways, but each and every day, if you wake up and your purpose is found in an event, a job, or a person, I need you to understand that there's going to be a lot of empty days. Jesus Christ desires that every day when we would wake up, that we would desire him above all, and that if he was all we had, it would be enough. Verse 12, forgive us as our, uh, for, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not, I'm going to do these last four verses and explain two things through them. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. But if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. There are those of you who have had some very difficult moments in your life. And I want to teach you two things this morning. There's a song uh, by one of the uh, great worship teams uh, in our nation that sings it, and they, and they say it this way. Though a weapon formed, it will not prosper. And I think some of us don't realize that there are always weapons and schemes that the enemy has to detour us from God's will. But the recognition that although weapons may be formed, they will not prosper according to the, to the word of God. Amen? And we need to grab hold of that in part. The reason I share that first is number two. Forgiveness is some of the most dangerous diseases to our soul. When we don't forgive, it shows that we don't have a total picture of the forgiveness that Christ gives us. And I'm telling you, I know I've had this conversation many times with people who say, but Pastor Nick, you don't understand what that person did. You don't understand what that part of my life was. You don't understand the circumstances. You don't understand the, the stories around them. You don't get the, the totality of what is. And, and my answer back is, you're right, I don't. I don't. But he does. And the reason I know he does, and the reason why some of the things that have happened in the journey of your life is so intimate is because he might have been the only one to see them. And it's something you struggle with today because you know how big God is and you know that evil exists in this world, but there's this constant struggle of God. Why have you allowed these things? Why haven't you stepped in? Why haven't you done these things? And I want you to do me a favor and I want you to begin to take your relationship with God to a new level this week. I want you to get real with God. I want you to ask him those questions. Lord, in these moments that I cannot forgive, that I can't let go, that I don't understand how you could forgive me when I mock you daily in my life. Come on now. Would you give me revelation and understanding so that I could be more like you? And listen, for some of us, it's going to take decades to get there. We may spend our whole life journeying because of what's happened in our lives. But God just said, move forward. Keep moving. Let him move. Let him speak. You receive that in Jesus' name? Forgiveness is an act of obedience. To Christ. Oh, last portion before we go into our communion this morning. Acts chapter 5, excuse me, Acts chapter 12, verse 5. It says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Verse 8. Then the angel said to him, put, your put on your clothes and your sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that, the, that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt 
that the Lord has sent an angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where people gathered, where, where many people had gathered and were praying for him. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening the door and explained, Peter is at the door. <laughs> and she, uh, it says, verse 15, you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter, Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. I want to challenge you this way because I feel like this is the most human story of prayer we can read in Scripture. Because many of us are much like Rhoda as we answer the door when we've prayed. And let me just tell you, this is not just a prayer group that met on Monday for a half hour. These were a group of people who were trying to spread the name of Christ and their best friend was imprisoned for doing what he believed was right in Christ. And so they gathered, meaning they were eating and they were praying and they were going and they were praying and they were living and they were praying. They were actively praying. And even in that moment of activating and of actively praying for what they believe God's will, right, when that prayer was answered, they too were surprised. You see, in my opinion, we have such a low expectation for God that it's disrespectful. And I want to challenge you because I know that for many people, I don't know where you are, and some of you are like, Nick, I believe in miracles, but I, my definition of miracles might be a little different than yours. Listen to me, I say it this way. If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, read the Bible and he can do it. How you understand it is up to you to begin to understand how he wants to reveal it to you is also between you and him. But I promise you this, all the days of my life, I want to pursue him in a way that if I die to myself so much that others would come to know him because there's more of him than more of Nick and me. Come on now. Could you imagine if the presence of God was so strong inside of you that those you walked by stopped and just asked you, what is that coming from you? I sense, I, I just feel like I'm supposed to ask you. And maybe some of you have had that happen to you before. I just want you to realize that prayer is not something we just do with our kids to, so that they don't have nightmares at night. Come on now. Come on. Prayer is powerful. And the Bible says it, that when prayer and fasting come together, we can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it must move according to the will of God. And so I ask you this week, and for those of you who are serving communion, feel free to go to the back, as most of you did, and worship team, come on and join me this morning. But I ask you this morning, as we talk about prayer, as we talk about God's word, what is your expectation when you pray to God? Number one, do you expect him just to answer what you say? Because if you do, you need a course correction. God is not a genie. He doesn't do what you ask him to do. That's not even a healthy relationship, amen? We don't need yes people in our lives. Although they may be encouraging sometimes, it's not necessarily what we need. For those of you who are journeying Christ, whatever today that you can put your finger on and say, yeah, you know, I'm much like the woman there. I'd probably answer the door and 
when the God thing happens from the things we prayed for, I'd probably be pretty surprised too about these kind of things. Do me a favor. Begin to raise the bar in your expectation. I love how Scripture just paints it so beautifully in the Old Testament. It basically states, it says, come into this room expecting God. And in these moments, I want to ask you to begin to raise, and I'm going to challenge you. I'm not asking you. I'm challenging you to raise your expectation of God. As he communed with those around the table before he gave his life for you and I, he looked at them, and he began to speak, and he began to teach. And even though those, even though there was present someone who would betray him, he still went and did what he was called to do in Jesus' name. And I just want us to begin to grab this relationship. And worship team, you could begin to play. And, um, I just want us to grab hold of the beauty and the power of the word of God and prayer in our life, church. I don't want to be another church that just meets on Sunday and we eventually fill up the seats and we get more seats and it's just people who go to church. I want you to be people who change this world because of who you've experienced in Christ. I want people who encounter you throughout the week to know that what changed you was the power and the presence and the authority of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know where you're at in your walk. Maybe you're beginning your journey. Maybe today you'll begin your journey. Maybe you've just been journeying for years and you've kind of grown weary. I want you to understand that the seat at God's table is always there for you. Communion is an opportunity for you to meet with and once a month, we take time to have actual communion with the bread and the juice, and, and we do this together. But, but I want you to hear me. We do it as a teaching moment, and as the Bible says, to do it in remembrance of him. That we would not just have this moment monthly or yearly, but that daily we would understand our opportunity to meet with the King of kings and Lord of lords. And today, as we take communion, I want to challenge you. One, if you don't know Christ, the Bible says it as simple as this. When you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you are saved. Do me a favor. Pray that prayer. Introduce yourself. God is already here with you. And take communion with us today. For those of you who have been journeying to Christ, I don't know what's holding you back, and I'll say it even more real. I don't know what your excuse is not to grow today. Whatever your excuse is to not keep growing in Christ, lay that before him today as we go to take communion. And let's see God do miracles. You receive that church. Amen. Would you stand with me? Ushers, if you'd come forward. We're going to pray for us and we're going to worship together as the elements are passed out. If you would like to take them by yourself, you may. But at the end of this worship moment, I'll come back up and lead us in a time as we take it together. Lord, we just give you this time and we thank you. We thank you that your word is truth and that we need truth. We thank you that as we pray, it's just not some kind of word. It's not some babbling. May we not be as those, Lord. But may we be those who call upon the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, for the person in this room today that doesn't know you, in Jesus' name, would they dedicate and give their life to you right now? Lord, for those of us who are journeying and struggling, for those of us who are even seeing victory after victory, we thank you today that we have this opportunity to commune with you, God. We thank you for this, this day. We thank you, Lord, today that we can be invited to your table, God, the table of communion with you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's message here 
at Living Word Church. Uh, if you're looking for a community, looking for a home church, we want to challenge you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1045 here in Union, New Jersey. We pray you have a blessed day in Jesus' name.